episode 180. Yep. What's going on? Welcome to the Biz Women Rock Podcast. I'm your host, Katie Kremitzos. This podcast was created so that you would have direct access to the true stories of what it's like being a businesswoman, the real true journey of very savvy, very smart businesswomen. If you love these stories, then make sure you go to bizwomenrock.com and opt in so that you can get updated on all the latest podcast interviews, as well as how you can become a more active part of the whole Biz Women Rock community, which kind of rocks. So go to bizwomenrock.com. My guest today is Felina Hansen, and she started a company called Hera Hub. Now, Hera is the Greek goddess of women, and so Hera Hub is an entire uh, co-share, co-work space just for women. Now, it's really interesting to note that um, during this conversation, we really talk a lot about her business as a model, like uh, the fact that this is not just real estate and people renting out uh, renting out rooms for their business or space for their business. They're, it's an entire community. So it's really a membership model of women who are looking to be around other women, other businesswomen in a really cool spa-like environment. And, um, and Felina has facilitated all that so well that she's now in three different locations in San Diego. And um, as of the time of this recording, but when you listen to it, she will have already opened her first franchise out in D.C., so the business focus of this conversation is a lot about how she has actually scaled out, how she has built out her company, how she manages a membership model, how she deals with retention, um, how she deals with constantly providing really great events so that people you know, are part of it, how she establishes culture amongst the members, um, and how, she, uh, how and why she decided to franchise and what her experience with that has been. She has got a huge vision, and I love it, and you're going to love her too. Let's go with Felina. Felina, thank you so much for being on the show. Absolutely. So happy to be here, Katie. So very excited. Uh, you're joining me uh, doing wine tasting in California right now, which is a very <laughs> happy place to be. <laughs> indeed, indeed. You know, as entrepreneurs, you got to take some time and <laughs> relax here and there. So I, I took a Friday off and uh, enjoying the sights and hanging out with some friends on the central coast of California. I love it. Not a bad place to be right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm so ecstatic that you're here. Um, you have created Hera Hub, which is um, a really spa-inspired um, uh, work shared workspace type of, envi- of an environment that has really built out an entire community with it. And so, I'm really excited to pick your brain about how you've done all of that stuff and get an idea of the journey that you've had. So, let's start with how you even got the idea to do Hera Hub. How did you come up with that? Sure. So, prior to launching the business. I worked out of my house. I had a marketing strategy business for eight years and started that business after about prior eight years in high-tech marketing, worked mostly for startups, got laid off three times by the age of 30. Two companies sold, one went out of money, essentially. And so starting my first business, Perspective Marketing, was really 
um, an answer to, frankly, controlling my, my <laughs> career path, so to speak. Um, and I come from an entrepreneurial family, and so uh, starting my own business, I, I almost felt like my dad was, you know, saying, well, why, what took you so long? So, um, <laughs> so I, you know, with a, a consulting business, great, lots of flexibility, you know, again, great working from home, it's convenient and cost effective, but after eight years, I, I really hit that, that wall, so to speak, of just the isolation and the lack of community and, and truly missing having that, um, you know, people to bounce ideas off of and to inspire and challenge you. And so I went and looked at some co-working spaces in San Diego. There was just two at the time, and they were great spaces, but they were definitely not geared to me as a, as a customer. They were very uh, tech-focused, and they were very young and very male-focused. <laughs> Um, and I frankly, you know, at, at 40 years old, I'm, I'm a little past beer pong in my life. I'd rather go wine tasting. So, um, <laughs> I, you know, it just wasn't the environment for me and it, not a place I really wanted to bring clients to, frankly, because that was a big part of why I needed a space was to have client meetings. So very long story short, I went and built it myself and it is, we call it spa inspired workspace. It's beautiful. It's very zen, but very productive. There's running water and candles and soft music and nice lighting and a very safe, collaborative setting, supportive setting. Um, we are focused on women. We're not exclusive to women. Um, we have over 300 members in our three locations in San Diego. We have two male members. Um, very right on, guys. Women, I, I would say, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, it's not about anything other than just creating an environment that women are attracted to and where they really feel that sense of community and that place where they can ask the tough questions, where they may not ask in other environments because business is hard. and. Right. We run into a lot of things we don't understand, and so to be in that supportive, collaborative culture is just imperative. Well, so there, I see from an outsider, I see your business as being so multi-layered. Uh, the first is really with the logistics of physical space that you have to, you know, rent out to people, basically. And so, what you choose to make that space look like, feel like, flow like is really important. But you're doing something else on top of that that's almost intangible, which is creating a community and creating resources that help your target who's actually coming to rent out your space. So, I mean, just that combination of everything is brilliant, and I just. I just want to circle back to say that, um, you know, you, this is why I love your story because, you know, you ever heard that adage like there's no new idea, you know, but the reality is, is that even if something exists, but it doesn't exist for, it doesn't talk to you and you feel like there are other people like it doesn't talk to, there's definitely some, some space there that can open up that can be very super niched and can obviously as in your case, be very, very successful. So what what were the logistics that you had to go through to actually start that business? Because, I mean, this is not like the business you started out of your home. This All of a sudden, this is, I have build out. I have physical space that I need to get. I need, you know, money to, to actually like put in all this nice stuff. And now I need to go recruit and get people to rent out this space. So what, what sort of things were you going through in, in the beginning to actually get everything ready? Yeah, no, great question, Katie. Um, it was a ton of work and very challenging, I have to say. It took me about a year to actually secure my first lease. I went through two failed lease negotiations leading up to that, 
where we got to the 11th hour and things basically unraveled, frankly. Um, commercial real estate is not for the faint of heart, and it's, um, it's a very male-dominated industry, and I got patted on the head a good number of times, sort of, you know, metaphorically in regards to, you know, dealing with, you, you mentioned, and rightfully so, yes, there's plenty of office spaces out there. There's a million executive suites out there, but there's a gap in the marketplace. There are people that are looking for more than just four walls and a place to meet with a client, and that's a lot of the focus, of course, of what we do, but stepping into that world where... A lot of people, now this was in 2010 when I started this process, and co-working has certainly grown in popularity over the last four years, but at the time, it was still very much a new concept. And so, you know, kind of convincing these established gentlemen in the commercial real estate industry that, you know, I'm going to build a workspace for women, and I just I got a lot of raised eyebrows. So... Eventually, I was able to kind of third time to charm the third lease negotiation I got into. I was able to secure the lease. I had to give up. It was a huge investment, frankly. I pulled pretty much all my money out of my 401k, which any financial planner cringes at. (laughs) Um, I took a loan from my father for $30,000, and I literally went all in because I knew there was a need I knew that I was the right person to do it here in San Diego. And what I'm excited about now, now that I'm three and a half years into this, is frankly all the heartache and stress that I've gone through in you know, building a brand and building the model is what I turn around and now I'm helping franchisees do in other cities like Washington, D.C., where our first case is opening in just a few weeks. So they don't have to go through some of those same challenges that I went through. There's already brand, a proven model. You know, you're not walking into a, a real estate deal just completely cold. Right. It's a lot harder to get space than people really imagine. You know, they see for lease signs everywhere, and they assume that you just stroll in and, you know, sign a lease. It's not the way it works. So um, a lot, a lot of work, and I'm still learning, of course. Every day I learn something new, I and mean, we've bought... We're on our four software system. We're on our four CRM system. We're on our, you know, I mean, we've just, we've made a million mistakes, and but that's business, and that's what I pass on to other folks that want to build this model in their city is all the lessons, everything we've learned, all the systems and processes that we've ironed out over the last almost four years. Mm. Um, a quick question about, um, are you, did you actually purchase, like, do you own the space that you rent out or do you, um, did you, are you renting it and then like subleasing it basically? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great question. It's a lease. Um, and so we sign now five-year leases for our spaces, um, in Washington, D.C., it's a 10-year lease because D.C. is a different market, but it's a membership model. We don't sublease. It's, it really is a community model. Right. And so folks come in, there's a vetting process. Everybody goes through an online application and an in-person interview that wants to be part of the community. And they become, if, you know, they're the right fit and we're the right fit for them, they become a member. And they, you know, we really very much put emphasis on you're here to connect, you know, and help other people, too. This isn't just a place where you come you know, use the space and walk out the door, you you know. So we have gurus who are subject matter experts that donate their time to the community. We have weekly, multiple weekly educational 
platforms that members step up to share their expertise with the community. We do member lunches and happy hours and all kinds of special programming. We have an accelerator program. We're building a fund uh, for female angel investors to learn about the process and step into a fund to fund female-focused businesses. So we have a lot going on. Now, I can see why you named it Hub, like Hera Hub. I mean, (laughs) you really are the hub of activity for female entrepreneurship. So yep. um, did you did you get traction right away with um, members coming in or how uh, what strategies were you using in the beginning to attract people to you? Yeah, so I really had the community before starting the space and anybody you talk to in the co-working world will, will say the same thing. You need to build the community first. It's not build it and they will come. Right. And so at the time, prior to, to launching this, when I had my marketing strategy consulting practice, I led an organization locally here in San Diego called Ladies Who Launch, which mm-hmm. is a national organization. And then prior to that, I ran a group called Women's Global Network that was uh, basically focused on microcredit for women in developing nations, kind of a Kiva model. And so I was already really well-connected in the female entrepreneurial community in San Diego. So, yeah, but I'm a marketer, too, so I really built. I mean, that time I was struggling finding a lease, I was out marketing. I was out telling people, you know, my crazy, audacious ideas (laughs) and so, you know, getting them excited about it. So, um, I mean, I even launched in a temporary space when I couldn't get a lease for four months in a like a basically a Pilates extra Pilates studio. I oh, mean, wow. <laughs> just, you know, whatever I could do to like you know prove to people that what I was trying to do because it's one of those businesses that you got to see it to really understand it. I hear that all the that all the videos we have on our site and all yeah. the Google images and it just doesn't. People say that all the well, I didn't really get it until I walked in the door. The feeling that you have when you walk in is just incredible, and so. It, it was a lot of hard work. I, I'm, I'm, you know, any business is a lot of hard work. So going to D.C. at our first franchisee, Julia Westfall there, she's a longtime resident of D.C., but she was not super well-connected in the female entrepreneurial community. So we really worked over the last year as she's, you know, gone to lease space and doing the build-out now and all of that to really make sure, you know, we're guiding and mentoring her to get into those right channels to connect with the right community there in D.C. And she's done a beautiful job. Right. So you are a membership community, and one of the um, huge benefits of that, obviously, is like all of the buzz that happens in the connect- to the connectivity and the collaboration. But one of the biggest downfalls of any sort of membership as a business model is retention and making sure that people are mm-hmm. staying on board as long as possible. So how do you, what is your normal retention rate? And how do you, like, what sort of programs have you instituted to try and extend and raise retention rates? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. So we place a lot of attention on that piece of it because you're right. It's one thing, you know, to have somebody join the community, but we're also, this isn't just like a gym, right? This is people are building and growing and expanding their businesses. And we know the stats on business success, right? I mean, the FDA basically says like 50% in the first year fail. So, you know, we know that the programming and the system and the model that we built allows people to be much more successful than that, of right. course. But we are constantly checking in with our members. 
whether they're in the space or not. How are things going, whether it's, you know, personally sitting down with them or the director of each of the spaces sitting down with them. We're, we're getting feedbacks or surveys all the time. They come to events and we're serving, you know, even more informally. What do you need? What support are you looking for? How can we help you? There's some private um, online communities where there's a lot of communication. There's probably a dozen questions from each location every day. Hey, ladies, I need uh, an estate planning attorney. Who do you know? Hey, ladies, I'm looking for this. I need support. But what do you think about this? My client said this. How should I react? It's, it's a constant stream of information going back and forth. And I think as women, we are very open to that. And I've created a culture that's extremely open, extremely sharing, extremely about giving back. And so those connections build retention. Mm-hmm. Now, what do you do to ensure that your members all stay within the parameters of the culture that you've established, like this culture of support, this culture of positivity, this culture of growth. Um, you know, when you when you bring people together, it's um, it's absolutely not impossible. You absolutely can establish a really strong culture for that. But it definitely takes kind of bringing everyone in and making sure that everyone is staying true to that culture. So what kind of things do you do to make sure people are staying in line? Yeah, well, first off, it's really making sure that they're buying into that culture and they know what they're buying into, so to speak, from the get-go. And that's important, making sure we're not being, you know, trying to be something that we're not to them, so to speak. So we, that's why we do an in-person interview for every single person that wants to join the community, and we spend a lot of time going over that and making sure it's a good fit for them. If they, if it is a fit and they become a member, we go through a pretty detailed orientation process Again, really reiterating all the programs, all the support, what are the expectations, and then we're you know, always checking and we're always listening. So I'm always asking members, you know, how, how are things going with your business? You know, again, where do you need support? But also I, I listen for, yeah, I worked with so-and-so and, you know, gosh, it didn't quite work out the way I was hoping for. You know, I'm still looking for somebody. You know, I listen for that and I'll go, you know, chat with that other member and, you know, kind of how did that go, your interaction with so-and-so, and is there anything I could do to better have, you know, made that introduction and setting expectations, um, and then we're listening online all the time. And so once in a while, somebody gets a little excited about their workshop that they're doing, and they, <laughs> you know, share it more than what they're allowed to do, which is once on our private community, and, you know, we just gently remind them, you know, listen, we have 300 people here, Right. everybody's excited, you know, here's the protocol, and, and I always coach them, too, and, and recommend, you know, hey, instead of saying, come to my workshop, ask a question. Right. Say, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a workshop in three weeks, you know, I'm playing with these two titles, what do you ladies think about that? Well, guess what? You just promoted your workshop and asked, you know, a valid question at the same time, you know, it's it. It's just some diplomacy to marketing sometimes. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Um, so you mentioned uh, franchising a couple of times, and this is a fairly new endeavor for you. So um, d- discuss a little bit about why you decided to go to actually franchise your business and what has come out of those first few steps that you've done. Yeah, franchising was a huge decision, and I did a ton of research Um and as much as I would have liked to license the model, um, in order to make sure that we keep the quality of the brand and the quality of the experience up in each of our locations as we continue to grow, we we really had no other choice, so to speak, than to franchise the model. So 
Um, franchising is not for the faint of heart. It's very expensive to, to step into that as a business model, both, you know, from regulations to audits to, you know, the hundreds of miles of paperwork and legal documents you have to put together. Um, but at the end of the day, it's a way to build a brand. At the end of the day, I'm not the person to do it in D.C. or Tampa or Dallas or Chicago. It's the woman in that community who is, who has roots, who wants to see the women in her community succeed, and she wants to build a platform for that using a model and a brand and a system that somebody else has, you know, spent hundreds of thousands of dollars trying to figure out yeah. <laughs> and really get up to speed a lot more quickly and then have those resources. I mean, I can't tell you, I have so many people that I know, you know, of course they hire a business coach, which is great, but at a very, you know, expense, you know, it's expensive, of course. I mean, it can be thousands of dollars a month. And so we're essentially building that into the system. They have not only us in San Diego, but as we continue to grow, they'll have other colleagues who are running these spaces where they can share and bounce ideas and hold each other accountable. And so it's almost this this coaching, business coaching model baked into it um, from that standpoint of being able to share because that's so many people hire coaches because they feel alone. They, they don't have anybody to bounce ideas off of or to hold them accountable and so we've we've you know gone that route because we feel like it's important to really truly support others who are opening their own hair hub location out there. Now, be, trusting at the end of the day, it's like trusting this person so much with like this baby that you've raised. And um, what I know you're at the beginning stages of this, but. For your DC experience, what lessons did you learn about, you know, like what questions to ask this person, how to make sure that they they really are as committed to growing this and, and willing to like take it up as their own baby? Like how, how would you like give advice to anyone out there who's franchising or in the midst of franchising and about to give the reins over to somebody else? Um, you know, what did you learn in that process? Yeah, well, Katie, my experience with Women's Global Network and Ladies Who Launch taught me a lot. So Women's Global Network was more of an affiliate type. You know, somebody runs a city and they it was more an affiliate relationship. Ladies Who Launch started off as a licensing model and then went through a franchising model. So I almost got to see every single model. And you make a great point on the commitment level of somebody. You know, when somebody has skin in the game, I mean, the, the investment to open a Hera Hub franchise, inclusive of the lease and the furniture and the franchise fee and everything, is targeted at about $100,000. Now, mm-hmm. that's going to be more in D.C., cities like New York and D.C. that are very expensive, but right. in general, it's about hundred grand. Somebody invests $100,000 and signs a 10-year agreement, they have some skin in the game, right? Yeah, yeah <laughs> so definitely. It's not something they're going to take lightly and walk away from. How to assess if they're the right person and they're committed, we have a very detailed process for that. So we have a full franchise discovery process that includes assessments and a lot of feedback. And we, you know, frankly, make them jump through a number of hoops because we want to make sure that, to your point, they're the right person. They come out. They spend time with us in San Diego. You know, we really, there's a lot of trust there, of course. But honestly, Katie, at the end of the day, I, I feel like I know within 10 minutes of meeting somebody. I really do. I mean, you know that you're feeling where that. you're like, they just get it. Like, yeah. they get it or they don't get it. And yeah. I think the hardest 
thing has been for me saying no to potential franchisees because we get we get several leads every single week and people just reaching out like, hey, this is great, I, you know, I want to check this out kind of thing. And I think that's the harder thing is saying no to somebody that you just, you know, is not a fit. Right. Um, but it's important. I mean, you just, you can't build a brand without it, so right. to speak, in, in the other way. So that's a great question. And it's, it's been, I've learned so much. <laughs> Forget getting an MBA. I mean, I don't even know why I bothered getting an MBA, frankly. <laughs> like, seriously, just go. I'm serious. Like, just go open a business. Go do it. Figure it out. <laughs> I know I've said this on the show before, but um, I've had so many guests say opening, you know, like being an entrepreneur is the best personal development course you can ever take in your life. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, I agree. Absolutely. Just do it. Don't go to all this conference. Yeah, really. Just go do it. So uh, kind of on that point, what have been one of the, you know, I, I'm sure that there have been a lot, but what has been one of the most memorable down moments for you and challenging moments? What happened in that moment and how did you get past it? Gosh, there's been many. <laughs> there are in any business. You know, I think... Here's and I say this all the time, and this does not let me off. But I I believe I'm a good entrepreneur. I don't believe I'm a good manager, and they're two very different things. So I have a team of seven. I don't have a huge team, but I have three physical locations, and I have folks that you know lead each of those locations. They're the director in those locations, and then we have marketing support, ops support, and some other things. I, I mean, I say this to my, my team. It's like, I, I know I'm not a good manager, frankly, and I know that doesn't let me off the hook, but making the right hiring decisions and making the right decisions when someone's not a fit for the team, they always say, you know, hire slow, hire fast, easier said than done. Um, you know, it's, I'm still learning and I've, I struggled at times. I mean, I hired a young woman on our team for marketing coordination. She was right out of school, super sharp really sweet girl, um, ta- like talented, like could do the job, like she got the job done, but I could tell she just, her heart wasn't in it, and right. she just, she wasn't, she she had some kind of self-esteem challenges going on and some other things, and as much as I tried to build her up, I just couldn't break through, and at the end of the day, it ended up, I honestly, I was getting ready to say, this is just not a fit, and she, I, you know, we've had some conversations. She came to me like the day before and was like, I'm going to move back to LA. And I'm like, oh my God, thank God. <laughs> I'm to go for this, you know? And she was adorable and, and beautiful girl and functionally did her job well, but just culturally and, and all those things. And it was tough. I, I like lost a lot of sleep over it because I just, you know, this is somebody's life and livelihood that you're, you know, providing for, so to speak, with a job. And it's, it can be challenging. Yeah. Um, Felina, what what kind of things do you do or what kind of habits do you have that keep you sharp and in the game as an entrepreneur? Because there's a difference between kind of running your business day to day, even if you have a strategic role in it, um, you know, and definitely have a team who's running a lot of the day to day stuff. But like, you know, what are you doing to make sure that you are constantly growing and evolving as an entrepreneur? Setting crazy, hairy, audacious goals. Love <laughs> it. I mean, you know, for me to say I want to support 20,000 women and build 200 locations by 2020 is, I mean, I've been called crazy. I've been called aggressive. 
you know, I've been called a lot of things, and um, but that that number, that specificity, I can't say that word, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. is it just, it really, it keeps, you have to be agile and nimble and learning all the time and, you know, really driving. And the, the great thing is, like, everybody on our team has that same goal. And for me, I, I'm very flexible. I'm an extremely kind of relaxed person. And however they decide they want to get there and the goals they want to set within that, I leave that up to them to some extent, but as an organization, we're all looking in the same direction. Mm. And so that has that has definitely kept me very, very focused and, and you know, always pushing. Personally, I'm a runner. I, I run every single morning with my two dogs, um, and it just really keeps me grounded, and it's my time to think and all of that. So um, for me, it's, it's balanced. It's having fun as I'm doing today and going wine facing with friends and then also, you know, working very hard as well. I grew up, again, in an entrepreneurial family and hard work was a big, big part of that. Well, and in the perfect marriage of hard work and relaxation and, and fun, uh, one of the things that you're doing is you're going off to Greece, I saw, um, yes. on your Facebook page. So talk a little bit about that. And, and I wanted to talk about this because it's a really unique um, uh, vantage point of the kind of things that you do for your members um, and that are sort of out of the box. So explain explain the Greece trip. Sure. So, uh, so Hera, or Hera, however you want to say it, is the Greek goddess of women. And an appropriate uh, name for the business since we are female-focused. Yep. And I personally have never been to Greece. Um, it's a place that's been on my bucket list for a long time. I've traveled quite a bit, but just never made it to Greece. And so one of our members is part of a company called Learning Through Travel, and this is their entire business. They do these learning travel trips. So they approached me and said, you know, we think it'd be a great idea to do kind of a pilgrimage to Hera, you know, visiting some of the sites, so to speak, of, of Hera, and then working in business, strategic planning into this trip. So we're going to be doing some sailing to the Greek islands, and so, you know, that boat time here and there, we can, you know, really dive into the business and help the folks, the women on that are attending the trip, help them really think through their next five-year strategic plan, which is something I do with my members locally here in San Diego already, but we're just going to get a little more intensive and a little more in-depth with it over the course of this 12-day trip. So the brilliant thing is we've, I've got a talented CPA on my team, and her advice to me was, if you sprinkle in a little bit of the strategic planning exercises throughout the trip, you can write the trip off. It's a write-off. It's officially business. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, you know, and, and it's also helpful because, you know, your brain's going to explode with that much thinking all in one, you know, eight-hour session. So, so yeah, so it's, I am so excited. It's in October, early to mid-October, and we have room for 15 women. We've got, I think, seven spots left. And it is just going to be incredible, amazing, ambitious women traveling the world together, working on their business, their strategic plans, seeing amazing things, and just enjoying life and relaxing, like you said, at the same time. So I'm super excited about it. I love it. Um, and I want to I want to end with this question that I think is really pertinent, especially for somebody like you who's been an entre- entrepreneur for quite some time. 
Throughout your entrepreneurial journey, how have you evolved? Like, what's what are the what's the major way that you feel like you've evolved as a businesswoman? Gosh, so so much. Um, I think listening to myself more. I think as we get older, we're we're better. Or at least I'm better at really just observing, so to speak, observing myself, observing my reaction to situations and people. Um, and frankly, observing other people and going with my gut more. I mean, uh, there is all kinds. Of, I have so much interaction with people. I mean, my job is constant all day, you know, talking to people and interacting. And I, like I said, kind of going back to that franchise thing. I mean, yes, we have all these discovery sessions and this and that. But I pretty much know in about the first 10 minutes of meeting somebody if they're going to be a fit for the, the particular situation and just tuning into that and, and being quiet and listening for that more and more is something that I've, I've appreciated that I'm evolving into, so to speak. Mm, I love it. Um, the last question I do have for you is totally out of whack, but what does Felina mean? I think that's such a beautiful name and I've never heard it oh. before. What does it mean? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, it was my great-grandmother's name. She was born in Sweden in 1900 and immigrated here when she was, I think, 21, 22 years old. Um, to be honest, I'm not 100% sure. I've done some research. I've put out my family, and nobody really had an answer. It definitely sounds more Latin than Swedish, obviously. Yeah. Um, the best I could come up with was like an Italian reference around something um, like friendship, basically, meaning of friendship. All right. Which I'm just going to go with. So <laughs> I think you're free to kind of make up whatever you want at this point. Friendship, Katie. <laughs> nice. Love it. Perfect. And how apropos for the company that you run, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, Felina, I really want to thank you so much for taking your time out of your wine weekend and uh, <laughs> being, being here with me and sharing about your journey and all the lessons learned and all the things that, that you have done to create such an incredible business. And man, I'm so excited to see the future for Hera Hub. I mean, it just, I it, things will continue to crop up. I have no doubt whatsoever. So thank you again for being here. My pleasure. Pay attention to your gut (laughs) and pay attention to your truth. That's really the biggest takeaway uh, that I got from Felina. So no matter, you know, all the experience you go on in your business, all the paperwork that you have, all of the things that you set up to help you make great decisions, uh, also and foundationally pay attention to what your what your body and what your spirit is really saying to you. That's what I really got out of that. What did you get out of it? I would love to know. Bizwomenrock.com forward slash 180. Go put a comment there. I'd love to hear. I will see you on the next episode.